Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So in today's episode, I actually want to give you some information um, for the younger crowd. Um, This may seem like it's not needed for a number of years, um, but I think it's good to hear it. Um, But for those of you that are coming towards the end of your training, I think it's really important. And that's the topic of finding a job. You know, just understand that most orthopedic surgeons in the first two years We'll change practices. You know, I graduated a class of four out of my residency, and I was the only one that stayed at the place where I started. The other three guys all switched um, within the first couple of years. And a lot of times it's for many, many reasons. So, you know, just understand that you're looking for that perfect job, but it may not be, and you may change. Um, but for the, the first important thing is find and hire a contract attorney. Um, I think that's an extremely important thing to consider because, you know, at the end of the day, you're really smart, but you're an orthopedic surgeon. You're not an attorney. Um, and sometimes if you're one of those people that does leave a practice for whatever reason, whether or not it's your decision or the practice's decision, um, some things may arise. And sometimes, although people have each other's best interest in mind at the beginning, sometimes the wording or the verbiage may hurt you. And it's not a great way to start a practice to start fighting with the partners about what the contract says. That's where you let the lawyer talk to their lawyer and work that stuff on the back end. And they can help you come back with a contract that protects you at the end of the day. Um, So that's really, really important. Number one would be hiring a contract attorney. You know, the next thing is obviously consider location. Um, where do you want to practice? You know, do you want to go back to where you grew up and where your family is? That's always important. Um, if you have a significant other, you know, maybe you're going to move to where your significant other is from or their family is from. Maybe you and your significant other want to get as far away from, you know, friends and family, or maybe you like a certain part of the country. Maybe it's the outdoors. Maybe you miss the ocean. Maybe you like the mountains. So all of those things are really important things to consider Um, Because at least you can start to look at a particular geographical area. The next important thing is talk to your reps. You know, the reps are really, really helpful because sometimes the reps of company A can talk to the reps of company A in a different part of the country because they know that somebody there is looking for a new partner. Um, And that may not even be an ad um, or they may not even have the feelers out yet because maybe someone's retiring in a year or two and that's going to time in right when you're getting out of your fellowship and now you're going to hear about it. But even more important than finding the job is that the reps can talk to the other reps and find out what those people are like. You know, are they good surgeons? Are they good people? Does the group work well together? Is it cohesive or do they stab each other in the back? You know, because your perception when you show up for the interview may be very different from reality. And you don't want to find out at the end of the day that all the partners hate each other, stab each other in the back, and you know they always hire a young person to do all the scut work for a year or two, and then they fire them. 
you know, the reps might say, this is a great group, you know, and they might say, this is the, the best group in town and the senior partner's retiring and they have a huge practice and everybody goes to them. And that's a really, really positive reinforcement if you're thinking about joining that group. Now, you consider the job finders and the headhunters. I mean, there's lots of online places and um, a lot of those people are great. You know, they do that for a living. That's how they make their money. But sometimes they do have a bigger list of opportunities if you're looking for an area um, where they may be looking for a generalist or a subspecialist. So it's definitely a place to consider um, just to get more options uh, about a job that you may want to look into. Um, and then also the meetings. You know, the meetings are a huge thing. You know, you you introduce yourself to people. Sometimes they have, you know, little uh, want ads on the on the boards at certain meetings, especially some of the smaller meetings. But, you know, definitely introduce yourself and get introduced to people. You might just happen to meet someone getting a cup of coffee or standing at one of the, the booths. Introduce yourself, realize where they're from, and uh, lo and behold, that person might say, hey, you know what, we're actually looking for a new partner. Um, you know, let me exchange information with you. And and lastly, you know, look in the back of the journals. You know, the journals always have ads. You know, they're looking for people. And sometimes at the right time, the right job may just kind of be there and you make the phone calls and you start the process. Um, now, when you're looking at a job, though, I think the other important thing is, you know, what your training is and what you're looking for. You know, are you a generalist? Uh, did you do a fellowship? And do you just want to do your subspecialty fellowship training? Um, or did you like that part of it, but you love doing orthopedics of any sort? So knowing right away, you know, do I like general or do I do want to, want to do subspecialty or do I have subspecialty training but also enjoy general? That's an important thing to know and to know what they're looking for. Um, because if they're looking for a generalist and you just want to do your subspecialty, you know, training portion, um, it's not going to work well. Um, and you want to know that before you go. And, you know, the other thing is when joining a group, it's important to understand, you know, are you joining a group because they're too big? Um, are you joining a group because they just want more people to take call and maybe there's not enough volume? Are you going to be stuck with not having enough work? Um, is a senior partner retiring? And if so, are you taking over their practice? Or is one of the other partners just going to absorb all of the senior partner's patients and you're still stuck making a whole new practice yourself. You know, so there's always important things, you know, you don't want to assume just because one of their partners is retiring that you're going to walk in and get all of their patients. Um, but it does happen sometimes, so you need to ask. The other important thing, if it's possible, is if you're joining a group and somebody has recently left the group, and this sometimes you can find out from the reps, um, is see if you can talk to that person, no matter where they went. You know, because you want to know... Um, why did they leave? You know, was it a toxic environment? Was it just not what they were looking for? You know, did they move for financial reasons or family reasons? You know, it's good to know because if someone left and, you know, speaks super highly of it and, you know, sad they left, but for family reasons or what have you, they, they had to leave, that's great. You know, but if someone left and it was toxic and they had to get out of there, um, that's, that's a red flag. That may not be the place that you're necessarily looking for. Um, now, the other important thing um, to look at too is, you know, and it's, we do this to take care of patients. At least that's my feeling and my philosophy. Some people do this for the money. Um, there are some people sometimes that if you want to try to get ahead with savings and retirement and money, 
sometimes you look at short-term practices where I know some people that sometimes found an underserved area that was super financially lucrative with huge bonuses and sign-ons and relocations and paybacks for loans and things like that because they wanted you to come and you sign a two-year contract. So you go somewhere you may not want to be, you may not want to live for the rest of your life, it may not necessarily be your super subspecialty practice that you're planning on doing for the majority of your career, but it may be a way to get in, see lots of patients, take care of a lot of people, make a whole boatload of money if you're you know, living in an area where the cost of living is really low and they're offering you a whole lot of money, and then take the money and then move on. So you've had basically two extra years of experience to help some underserved community make a lot of money and move on. But sometimes you, know, you, you plant roots in an area, just understand you may not leave. Um, but that is a consideration for some people. Um, so then, you know, you get to the point where, okay, now you have an idea. Okay, you're, you're looking at group A or group B. So you got to meet them. Um, really, really important. So you're going to go, you're going to meet them. Um, in this world, I mean, you, you may actually do some of it digitally and virtually initially, but you got to go and you got to meet the people. You got to see the office. You got to hear or at least, you know, get a look at the hospitals and understand where you're going to be, who you're going to be working with, and what it's going to be like when you're there to really have an understanding of what you're getting yourself into. And then you got to start asking the questions. You know, and the first thing, you know, as a resident and you're coming into practice, everyone's interested, well, what's the call like? You know, level one, level two, level three, how many hospitals, how many ERs, how many people take call, how many nights of call? You know, what's the call like? Um, You know, and then even if you're on call, you know, if you share it with partners where if you're on call and you're not a hand guy and there's a shattered wrist, do you get... The per, or do you get the hand guy to do it the following day or a trauma team that does it the following day or is that your responsibility? So all really important things to know and understand. Um, and then the business aspect. The business aspect is a huge important part because if you're joining a hospital, you know, it's usually pretty cookie cutter. I mean, you're essentially an employee and whether or not you get a salary or you're productivity based, it's usually pretty cut and dry. But if you're joining a private practice, there's a lot of questions that you need to ask and be aware of. And I am not an expert on this. So this is where you talk to your contract attorney and other people. But, you know, just to be aware that if you're joining a practice, how do you become a partner? You know, what's in their bylaws? How many years does it take to become a partner? Who gets to decide if you become a partner? One person? Or is it the senior partners? Or is it, you know, an equal vote from all the partners? And then what is the buy-in? You know, do you have to pay a certain amount to become a partner? What other things do they have? Do they have an MRI machine? You know, can you buy into the MRI machine? Or is it too late until somebody retires? You know, do they have real estate? You know, do they own the buildings or do they lease them? And can you buy into the real estate of the office or the surgery center? And can you buy into the surgery center? Or are all the shares already split up between people in the community? Do they have physical therapy? You know, can you buy into a physical therapy? All of these things are different ways that you potentially can make money. So you need to know going in, not only can you, um, even if you're not sure, will you? um, How much would it cost? What percent can you buy? When can you buy into it? So all of those are important things. Um, And then, you know, as far as insurance, you know, looking at who's responsible for the malpractice and who's responsible for the tail. You know, if you leave... Are you responsible for the tail or are they? Or 
is it, does it depend on why you left? You know, if you were fired, maybe you're responsible. If you leave amicably, maybe it's for family reasons, you know, maybe they're responsible. So you want to know that going forward. You know, most places may offer you some type of sign-on bonus or a moving bonus. Um, so you want to kind of obviously ask about those things, but, you know, most places may offer you a guarantee. So if you're coming in, I mean, you're fresh out of, you know, training, you show up the first day, it's not like you have a full clinic typically. Um, sometimes you do, but they may offer you a guarantee. So what happens if, say, the guarantee's 250000 And what happens if your revenue brings in more than that? Do you get that extra? Does the group get the extra? What if you don't make that much? You know, what if a whole year goes by and you only make 150000 Does the group absorb that 150 or 100 rather, that you didn't make? Or are you responsible for paying it back? You know, all really important questions to ask, you know, before you sign that contract. And this is where your contract attorney should help you walk through that aspect. But just understand that, you know, a lot of stressors in life, and I think, you know, a lot of surgeons, you know, we you stress about, you know, getting into college, then you stress about getting into med school, then you stress about getting into an internship and a residency, and you stress about, you know, getting into a fellowship. And maybe at that point, you got married, had a kid, and now you're looking at a practice and buying a house and moving. There's plenty of stressors, you know, and, and this is just one of those things. So you want to be able to try to do your best to minimize that additional stress. Um, and it's knowing the right questions. And again, I am not the expert, um, but I think it's really important to think about a lot of these little topics um, and make sure that you ask the appropriate questions. And again, don't be afraid to ask, you know, because these are people that you're going to be friends and partners with, but at the same time, business is business. Um, so you need to ask the hard questions. And that's where sometimes it's easier to have your lawyer ask their lawyer so you can get the answers that you need and not feel that you're creating a rift before you even sign the contract. So food for thought, um, you're all going to be looking for a job at some point, somewhere. So just keep this in mind, keep this list, and it's going to help you when the time comes to start looking for a job and trying to choose between one job and the other and making sure that you're making a wise decision. But just understand, the only constant in life is change. So if you get in and a year or two down the road, it's not working out for whatever reason, find another job, You know, move on, be happy, take care of yourself first. So I'm Adam Rose, and you've been listening to the Total Need Tips and Pearls podcast. Until next time, stay safe. You've been listening to the Total Need Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.